Amen. Well, thank you so much. You can be seated tonight. We're going to get in the Word. Are you ready? All right. Let me ask you one more time. Anybody ready for the Word? All right. Tonight, everybody just say this. Love is the solution. I don't know what problem you're facing, but everybody say it one more time. Love is the solution. It is the remedy. It is the fix all. It is the cure. It is the it is the solution to anything and everything that you face. Love is the solution. And so I want to get into this tonight and talk about love. I'm not going to be too long, but I do want you to grab your pen and paper. Make sure that you're writing down nuggets uh, as the Holy Spirit leads you and it impresses on your heart tonight. So, all right, everybody ready? I would, everybody say this with me. I do this because I'm trying to plant this into your psyche. But everybody say, our ego has wants. Our soul has needs. Say it again. Your ego has wants or, or desires where your soul has needs. There are certain things that you can do without and there are certain things you cannot do without. We're going to deal with the topic of love tonight. And we're going to talk about some things that may be personal, may be uh, a little tight at some moments in the in the sermon, but I want you to really just kind of hold on tight and embrace this because God's going to grow you up. And I want to show you how radically that you are loved tonight. How radically you are loved. How aggressively God pursues you. You are everything to the creator of the universe. God has never been born and will never die. He has existed throughout all time. Everything that has come to be has come through him. And he didn't like everything that was there, so he created you. He designed you. He formed you. He is a father to us. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will send you a comforter. I will send you a comforter. This is why it is, in, it is so necessary to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because that's where your comfort comes from. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have two sides to all of us. There is an ego side and then there is a soulish side which really is interchangeable with the spirit when you get into the uh, Greek definition. Um, and what happens is, is we have a side to us that this is what we want out of life. This is what we want out of relationships. This is what we desire out of these things. But then there is another side to us, which is our spiritual side to where we, it's not about wants. It is about needs. It is necessary to have these ingredients in order to properly function. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you do not put gas in the car, you're not going to get where you want to go. There's certain things that you need. It's amazing to me. Now, listen, my wife, God bless her. So I, I love my wife dearly. And one of the things that, uh, that <laughs> it's just a pet peeve. I do it. Y'all trust me. I do it. I, I try to be the man of the house. I like to put gas in my wife's car, but Ooh, I hate, I just hate pumping gas. It, I just don't like pumping gas. I remember when I was growing up, they used to have gas stations to where you could pull in and they would pump it for you. They need to come back with that. That right there is a word from the Lord. They need to come back with that, especially in the winter, y'all. 
And so I just hate, I will roll around on fumes. If I have to, I'll put $2.50 in that boy and drive where I got to go until I got to put another two fifty in. It's just, I just don't like pumping gas and I surely don't like standing out there in the cold doing this because I always seem to pull up to the gas stations to where the little handle doesn't have the stick button and you got to actually sit there and hold it the whole time. And I'm like, my God, update your equipment. It's cold. But in order to get to where I need to go, there is necessary things that I need. My car cannot, it can look nice. It can be polished. It can be waxed. It can be washed. It can be vacuumed. It can have oil changes. It can have all of these things. But if it doesn't have gas, it can't get where it's supposed to go. It is designed to function off of fuel. It's not something that is even up for debate. Without gas, you're going to be sitting in a beautiful car going nowhere. There are sides to people to where we have desires, and then there are sides to where we have absolute needs. And I want to get into that tonight. Everybody say, our ego has wants. My soul has needs. I want to show you a quick video. We don't have sound. We have some technical difficulties we're working through tonight. But I want to show you an old video that some of you may or may have not seen. And I'm going to narrate it myself just so that we can kind of get an understanding here of what's happening here. Uh, science, uh, these, this is a scientist here in this video, and uh, we're gonna, we can go ahead and start here. In this video, what's happening is you have a scientist that's being interviewed by a journalist. And here you see on the left, you see a wire, like almost like a wire um, bucket that's, that's just all wires, and it has attached to it a nipple to where they're feeding this monkey milk. Now, just hit pause for a second. Hit pause. So what's happening is on the on the on my so on our left, if I turn around, you have the wire, the the rusty wires that has on it a bottle to where it's feeding this monkey from birth. This this is all the monkey knows is eating when he wants to eat and fill his necessary needs. These aren't wants. These are needs in order for this monkey to continue living. What happens is. He has to, he, he's been trained to eat. All he knows is to go to this nasty, rusted wire that is mimicking nurturing. On the other side of it is this beautiful padded, like almost padded room that has milk available and nurturing available, but because he's never actually ate from that source, Watch what he does when they release this monkey. Watch what he's hungry. Watch what option he naturally goes to. He's going to the left. This is an uncomfortable situation. It's not something that a baby would want to be in. It's not comfortable at all. It's not cushion. Here, he's scared. And so he goes over here to this right, but he doesn't understand See, he's actually trying to secure himself because he's scared. So he's going over to this part right here that's padded. But he doesn't understand that he also can eat also in a place of comfort. So what's happening is, is on the right side, he has comfort and necessary ingredients to live. But because he is so used to eating on the other side, he'll go into a situation that's uncomfortable to get necessary things. I don't know if that landed yet. I want you, you can stop the video for me. 
Here's what I want to deal with tonight. I want to talk about love. And as as it relates to what we're talking about here, I think this is major. How many have heard that typically we marry our parents? Anybody ever heard the statement that you marry your parents? I can't tell you how many times my wife tells me I remind her of my father or of her father. Um, I don't know what it is that exactly does it, but there's certain qualities, I think, just being a man's man, um, which seems to be a dying breed. Come on, fellas. God created you a certain way. It's cool to be that way. God needs your strength in the earth. Can you say amen? Maybe it's because I reflect that, and her father is a man's man. He's an authoritative type of guy. He likes things done his way. <laughs> say that again. Likes things done his way. And maybe that reminds her of her father. Maybe that's what she's seen in me when she met me. Maybe it's true that we marry our parents. I'm not sure if it's just cliche or if it's actually truth. I do see some qualities in my wife that I also see in my mother. My wife is very nurturing. My mother is very nurturing. There's things about my wife that I see that I love in my mother. They're not similar in every area, but there's similarities there, and I can identify with those things. We typically, uh, as the quote says, we typically like to marry our parents. I want to switch the quote for a second because... It's imperative that we make this a little more distinctive. I believe that we it's not just about marrying our parents or people that resemble them. I think we actually marry our experiences. The reason why I'm going down this road is because we're talking about love. And to do that, we're going to have to understand what is love. Because something as simple and as profound as love at the same time, it can be simple but yet profound... It it embodies so much. The reality is I could describe love and you could describe love and it's two completely different worldviews. Why? Because our understanding of what it is to be loved is coming from our experiences as children. The reason that you love the way that you love or the reason you receive love that you receive, because some of you are allowing people to love you in the wrong way, but it feels like love to you because you're recycling your experiences. You're still going to the left side. You're eating from the wrong place. There's comfort and necessary food over here, but you're still eating over here because you was born in this type of captivity. It's the only way you know to survive. I can't survive unless I I feel the rust or smell the metal and it gets uncomfortable. That's where I feel like I'm going to be okay. And so you recycle drama in your life because you was born in it. And then you call it love. And then you call it affection. And it's imperative that we understand these things as we do life because it is going to be critical to our decision making. And our decision making is critical to our offspring because we literally break or set up generational curses by what we allow ourselves to tolerate as it relates to love and affection. Good preaching, Pastor. Thank you, sir. So watch. Let's go over here real quickly to... Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. I want to just kind of get some points out. Is this okay tonight? Feels good to be back in the house. 
Because our creator is love. Notice that. Is love. I put this down. You might want to remember this. Because our creator is love, we have been created in love. Okay? Because we have been created by somebody that not just loves us, Jabin, but he actually is love. You cannot say the word God absent from love. You can they're really interchangeable. Love is God and God is love. Amen, somebody. Now, it may now people are fond of saying God is love and love is God, and then they come up with all kinds of crazy theologies. It's because you don't understand real love. You think it's all kind and without per, without trials and without tests and without this and without that. No, no, no. God is love, but he still allowed his people to go through some horrific things. We don't get the right to really define love. God does. We are loved, but he is love. We are the object, but he is love. Love can exist by itself, but it cannot demonstrate without an object. In other words, you you can tell me that you love me, and it may be true, but until you show me, I don't understand what you're talking about. It needs an object in order to prove what it claims to be. That's why God created us for his good pleasure. Can you imagine being loved but not having an object? Maybe God created you only so that he could express himself. Maybe this whole life really isn't about us at all, but maybe it's all about God just trying to stretch out over the universe. Maybe he was tired of having infinity, an infinite love, but could not demonstrate it to nobody. Let me create a people that I could die for to show them the depth of what I really feel. Maybe I'll allow sin into the world so that I could just have something to redeem. Maybe I allow them to go through persecution so that I can, I can, I can intervene from them and demonstrate how much I love them. Maybe God allows us to go through stuff so he can express himself. Maybe he's been bottled up for infinity and he just wanted to express himself. So he said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and he starts the journey of expression. Maybe the whole thing we call life is nothing more than God expressing what's on the inside. Can you say amen? Jeremiah 1, 5. Let's read this. Before I formed you in the womb. Before we even get there, I'm sorry, I'm going to stop you real quick. Because this is so important. You do not have to learn love. Let me just break some mental barriers for a second. We don't have to learn love. Scripture don't teach us that. Love is our default. We have to re-experience love so that we can, if you will, for a lack of better words, maybe relearn it, but you are actually created in love. Let's read the scripture. Watch this. Before I formed you. Before I formed you. Look at here. This is before you ever experienced any hurt by anybody else. 
This is before you ever had a daddy that walked out or a mother that walked out. This is before fear stepped in. This is before racism stepped in. This is before anything that ever affected you ever stepped in. Before I formed you, I knew you in your mother's womb. The first thing you ever experienced was love. That's why it's so easy to hate for some of us. Because we have this, uh, this thing on our subconscious that knows what it feels like somewhere. We can't identify it. We can't explain it. But somewhere in our hearts we know what it feels like to be fully accepted. And we get so mad because we don't know how to get back to it. Your most intimate encounter was in the womb. That's why you have to be born again. This is deep stuff tonight. Our first experience is love. What? Why do you think you always keep forgiving these jokers that hurt you? Where do you think it's coming from? It certainly isn't because they got credit. It certainly isn't because you really believe they're going to change. You know why you keep forgiving them? Because love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love hopeth all things, endures all things, believeth all things. Love never fails. Where do you get that? In the womb. Your first experience you ever experienced was in the womb. It predates everything else that you went through. People spend centuries arguing over stuff that's happened in life. Centuries debating over stuff. How can we fix this? How can we fix that? Man, I'm telling you, we got to go back to the feelings that we encountered in the womb. God said, before I formed you, I knew you in the womb. Before I formed God doesn't want to form you without you first encountering love. Because if he does, what actually is he putting together? Can you say amen? Let's go to 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 21. Give me about five minutes. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. You hear this? They're from the world, they speak from the world, the world listens to them. In other words, these are people that are recycling experiences that had happened in life. This is this is out of the womb stuff. This is stuff that is happening to you after you've already experienced it. See, there is a love and an affection that you've already experienced. It's locked up in your subconscious. It's in your spirit, man. It's in your spirit, man. That's why it's so imperative to get familiar with who you are in the spirit. Come on, somebody. It's it's it's, it's critical. You got to know who you are in the spirit. Let's continue. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. Jesus. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Jesus. 
The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. That's why I question if some of the, the ministries, I, I, I need to be careful and not call them ministries. Some of the advertised crowd pleasers that we see today in social media and these outbursts of, of churches or gatherings. I question if they really know God, because most of the messages that I'm hearing preached are messages that entertain our flesh. I don't know how many times I've heard Bishop so-and-so or Apostle so-and-so or Archbishop, so whatever popular title now, whatever that is. I don't know how many times I've heard them preach cutoff messages. God's going to get your enemies. Just stay faithful. No, no, God loves your enemies too there, bruh. Matter of fact, you was an enemy and he reconciled you. Don't you know that the gospel is reconciliation, that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation? God's get, The only reason God doesn't leave vengeance to you is so that he can save who hurt you. Notice when the Bible says love your enemies, it never says his. God doesn't have enemies. It's your enemies. He doesn't. See, that's why Jonah got all ticked off. That's why he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He, it, it, we, we fail to see that in context. We're like, he just was avoiding the will of God. No, 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 no. Jonah was a Jew. These Ninevites, these jokers was arch enemies to the Jewish people. He didn't want to go and preach the gospel. Why? He knew God was going to be good to his enemies. He knew he didn't like those people. And he went there and all of a sudden he preached the gospel. The Bible said the whole city got saved. They all repented. <laughs> They all repented, and the Bible said in the next chapter, Jonah's sitting under the tree. Oh, God. And he said, I knew you was going to be good to them and slow to, slow to anger. In other words, I would have went right when you called me to do it if it was a doom and gloom message. But don't tell me to take grace to my enemies. Don't tell me to preach grace to my enemies. I want, I want you to hate who I hate. Come on now. Everybody say reconciliation is the heart of God. Oh, man. We are. Let's continue to read. Let's continue this. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. Okay, so um, real quick, swing over to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Watch this. I'm going to give you this last principle, and then I'm going to close. I'm doing good. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you. This is Paul, a spiritual father, talking to his son Timothy in the ministry. Through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind or discipline. The word, the Greek word there is discipline for sound mind. Watch this. Watch this. Notice what I said earlier. Your default is love. I don't have to teach you love. In order for you to come back to a place of love, all we got to do is strip off fear. What 
look at what it says. God has not given you this. But, so if God didn't give you fear, God didn't give you fear. If he's not responsible for giving it to you, who gave it to you? Because clearly it's active in our lives. So if God ain't giving me love, if I was formed in love, but, but I've got fear, who gave me the fear? How do you, someone said, well, Pastor Gary, I want to love, but how do I get back to love? I'm so mad. you got to strip off the layers that are contradicting love. If you can strip it back down to its surface place, I promise you, the more layers you pull off, the more love will grow. It's already there. You are already in love. You just don't see it because you're crowded by mixed emotions. Fear. Fear is what makes us look out for ourselves. Fear is what makes us protect ourselves to the point to where we'll walk over somebody else. Fear is what makes us not uh, be courageous. Fear is what stops us from helping our brothers in need. Fear is what causes all these mindsets that are keeping us from our destiny to happen. If you strip those off layer by layer, how do you do that? I'm going to tell you, you don't come down to an altar and say, God, take away fear. And all of a sudden, he just hits you with a Harry Potter wand, bam, and you have no more fear. That's not how it happens. When you follow the Spirit, he puts you on a destination to where there are specific design trials that are going to expose each and every level of that is that is built up in your heart. You go through one day. It's a third. Today's a Saturday. So when you submit to God, that means Sunday, God's got you all day. Something's going to happen that's going to say, wow, I didn't know I struggled with that. God said, now that I exposed it, give it to me. Now that you gave it to me, let me teach you how to operate without it. And then he said, now, here comes Monday. Here's another one. Bam. Here's Tuesday. Here's another one. Here's Wednesday. And you look up after a year and all of a sudden you're loving easier. You're loving you're loving better. You're loving more effectively. Why? It was always your default. You don't need more love. You need less fear. You don't need more love. You need less fear. That's what was given to you. From the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. Our overflow, whatever's coming out of our mouth means the overflow. It's, we've been downloaded, we've been poured into, and it's not the nature of God. Stand with me. Jeez, jeez, jeez. I just want you to lift your hands here tonight. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for these people.